Hey MW, it's Melissa and Stephanie Carcacci, the founders of Millennial Women and the hosts of Millennial Women Talk. Thank you for tuning in to our Nashville Mentor episode. In this segment, we sit down with some of the most successful and knowledgeable women who are paving the way for us. We get the chance to ask them for their guidance and advice on some of the most challenging topics we face as millennial women. This episode was recorded in the adorable cupcake shop, The Cupcake Collection in Nashville, Tennessee. We had the incredible honor to interview the founder of The Cupcake Collection and self-made millionaire, Mignon Francois. We spoke about how God always shows up even when life throws you the most challenging obstacles. There were so many incredible moments, but here are some of our favorite thoughts from today's episode. Your dreams are never tied to mistakes. Mistakes are only tied to plans. So be grateful. And it was in that that my gratitude was born. And I never complained about a low day again. If you have what you already hope for, that is not hope at all. That now faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. It's the evidence of what you can't see. And here's our full conversation with Mignon Francois, our national mentor. Mignon, thank you so much for having us here in your store. The Cupcake Collection in Nashville, Tennessee. By the way, it smells amazing. Oh my gosh, can you smell? <laughs> that's so that's so crazy because I can't smell. I don't have a sense of smell. No. And so I've only experienced the smell of my store maybe twice in its lifetime. And that being when I, you know, because I've tried to get it back, you know, I was working on getting it back. Um, but if I have a lot of antibiotics and, you know, <laughs> like that, then I might smell it. I've gotten a scent of it. Someone actually sniffed me out in a store one day. What? I was standing on an aisle, you know, on a store where they have the short aisles. Oh, yeah. And I had my head down and someone came sniffling around and said, I know I smell my cupcakes in here. <laughs> That is hilarious. That's crazy. So I hear it smells really good. It does, it does smell really good. <laughs> Before we leave today, we're getting a box. <laughs> so Mignon, um, I want to tell you really quick of how I found out about you. But it's a funny story. When Steph and I started Millennial Women at the top of this year, uh, I was actually at the bank opening up our bank account for the business. <laughs> yes, I, I was like depositing like $10 in it. And <laughs> I was waiting. And you know, you get those little pop-ups in your phone about articles. And I see this article that just says how a woman with five, $5 turned into $10 million. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Everybody wants to know how you become a millionaire, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's like, yeah, sure, let me read this. And as I start reading, it's this incredible story of rags to riches, mm-hmm. but with faith involved, with perseverance involved, family. You have a ginormous family, beautiful children that have helped you <laughs> sort of come up. But before we get to the beautiful ending of things... I want to start from the beginning, beginning, beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Like from from ground zero. Okay. So can so, you talk to us about that? Yeah. So this house where you're sitting right now mm-hmm. has everything to do with it. When we moved to Nashville, um, I was a married woman with six children. Wow. And um, at the time they were three, seven, ten... 13, like, you know, wow, like that. And um, we had gotten a job offer. And so the job offer we thought was the reason why we were coming here. And it was going to, we sold tools to get here. Mm 
Like we were going to have a new life for our children. And so when we started looking around, we were looking for houses with pools and, you know, like (laughs) we're going to really give our children a life in Nashville. And shortly after we got here, the job that my husband came for uh, fell through. So the last one hired is the last one fired. And so you're the first one fired. And so he was out the door with no place to go, but we sold our tools to get here. So now what we do, I'm a stay at home mom and we don't have tools and you're a contractor. And when I moved into the apartments that we moved into, I said, listen, I'm only going to stay here a year. I want a home for my kids and God, I'm only giving you a year for that. Mm. And so everything was not working. Um, Or so we thought, because sometimes the Bible says that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So what that says to me is that all things, mm-hmm. not sometimes, not some things, not when you feel like it, not when it doesn't look like it, that all things are working for your good. So some of those times when I look back and people ask you, would you change a thing? I wouldn't change a thing. It wasn't just necessary. Mm-hmm. They weren't mistakes. They were what were happening to position us. And so when I said, God, I'm only going to stay here a year, God already knew Mm -hmm. that I was only going to stay there a year. Mm -hmm. And it was almost um, a year to the date when we got the house that the bakery is inside This house that we're sitting Mm -hmm. in. (laughs) Um, We had been like just doing odds and end jobs. And sometimes we had gas to get to them. Sometimes we didn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, I... Like I said, I was a stay-at-home mom, or like I like to call myself a household manager. Thank you. <laughs> that's a great title. I love okay, that. I love that title. That's such like an email signature, too. Like that's a household professional manager. title. I like yes, that. It was necessary. <laughs> and uh, because I manage the lives of eight people, yeah. you know? And so when we were doing that, I would help him sometimes, and sometimes I would be home for the kids. Well, he had called me because he was doing cabinets in the neighborhood. He said, there's this really cool neighborhood. Reminds me of New Orleans, where we're from. It reminds me of home. Come down and see it. I want to take you to lunch at this little restaurant that's on the corner from here. And there's a house for sale. And I was like, okay. So we come down here. It's the ugliest little house. <laughs> Man, I'll show you a picture of it. Like, I'll send you a picture of the house. Then it was the ugliest little house that you ever did see. And I was like, this restaurant better be better than that house. <laughs> and so we went and we ate at the restaurant on the corner. It's called the Math Platter. It was a staple in this neighborhood, an icon that was part of the, the rejuvenation of this neighborhood 20 years ago, 25 years ago, probably now. And it's now gone. But we mm-hmm. sat there and I watched the people coming out of the houses and they were going back in their houses to work. They were coming out to eat and fellowship with each other, and then they'd go back. And I said, take me back to that house. And the sidewalks were paved with brick. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it reminds me of home. I, I want to go mm-hmm. see this house. So we called the real estate agent. The real estate agent came down to meet us, and it rained more on the inside than it did on the outside. <laughs> and it was condemned. And they were asking $180,000 for it. Oh, my God. And it was just like, it's condemned. Yeah. And it's $180,000. Like, are you kidding me? 
And he was like, you just don't understand. Restaurants have been asking for them. I'm like, where? Like, you guys are getting... <laughs> like, I had no clue about business, you know? And so, like, and I was like, please, nobody wants this house. And he was like, there's going to be a restaurant there. People want it. So, just basically, get off my phone. You're wasting my time. Wow. So, as, you know, we fell through the floor getting ready to leave. And with the floorboards up to our knees, we're like, we love it. Let's oh, take wow. it. And so... um, my husband uh, let me write the offer. And he's like, well, tell them we're going to give them this much money and this much money. We're going to do all these things. Like, but we don't have any money. (laughs) Like, we don't have any money. We don't have any credit. And we don't have anything saved. So why would we tell them all this stuff that we're just going to be stressed out about and we can't get it? Let's just tell them, like, they had a sign on it that said owner financing. Let's just tell them we'll take that. We want the owner financing. And so we called them. And I said, look, this is what we want. We want owner financing. We don't want to put any money down. And we don't want to pay a note on it for a year because it absolutely needs a lot of work. And we need all that time to fix it. And we need the money to work on it. You really are a manager. (laughs) (laughs) He said, you must be crazy. You're wasting my time. And so we went away from the house. I had grabbed up some dirt and put it into a Ziploc so that I could pray for the house. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have a tangible thing that I could pray with. I want to cry. And um and so I would pray over this house and I would leave the the dirt in my Bible. And some time wow. went by and they did not accept our offer. And then the real estate agent called us and said, "Hey, you know that house you were interested in?" The owner wants to talk to you. You mean the one that people are going to be knocking down the door to build a restaurant and you want to talk to us about it now? He's like, yes. Yeah. So he called us Wait, over. what was the time frame? Um, I can't, I, you know, it's blurry for me. It, it was several weeks, probably okay. like six, eight weeks to, to, to as much as three months. It wow. was some time. Okay. Right? okay. I was like, I had kind of forgotten about the house mm-hmm. and we came back to the house and it was still for sale. And I said, oh Lord, I need to return that dirt because I'm <laughs> holding up somebody from getting their house. Right. Oh um, listen, some time had passed. Like I wasn't even thinking about it. It was right. over. He said, no. Right. You know? And so um, I was thinking, I need to get that dirt back to these people so they can let their house go. Because I had released it <laughs> oh, from my so heart, funny. you know? Right. And, um, and so... In the midst of that, the real estate agent calls us and says, come down. So he brought us to this shoddy area of town in downtown Nashville, um, which is so posh now, you know. (laughs) Um, And it was kind of like in this tricky warehouse. And he's like, hey, let's talk about that house. Look, I've got lots of houses. I own lots of property that I'm flipping. If you will do the work for me on those houses, then I'll give you the sweat equity that you need for the 10,000 to put down on the house and then I'll order finance it for you. Wow. So everything I asked him for, he was basically willing to give except for I'll finance it and then you just pay the notes. He wasn't willing to give us the money, you know, for a year to live here (laughs) so that we can make money to, to, to renovate (laughs) it. And so we took the deal. So we show up, this is the summer now, and we show up. Our kids are out of school. We show up with all our kids. First day at work, my three-year-old has his tool belt on, and we're going to work on these people's house. And so we worked on that house as if it were our own. We said they let us have creative reference to do whatever we wanted to, yeah. and you just fix this house up, 
and that's what you're going to do. And at week one, he pulled my husband aside and said, listen, like, I don't know what you guys are trying to prove here. You're only getting $10,000. I'm not paying you any money. Mm-hmm. You're only getting $10,000 toward the house. Okay. So you're working on it like I'm paying you and I just need to be clear. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, we, we want to work as if we're working for the Lord. Like we're grateful. We mm-hmm. just want to give you our best. Mm-hmm. He slipped $2,000 to my husband that day mm-hmm. and said, go take care of your family. I hadn't seen that kind of money in a long time. This was enough money to pay our rent, mm-hmm. you know, get some food, like get, you know, get us coming back over here with gas. Like that was enough money for me for an entire month. Wow. And um, so we, we really come back to work. We're ready to work and we're working hard now. Mm-hmm. Second week, Friday comes, he slips $2,000 to my husband, says, take your family out. Like he's, wealthy like he's thinking come on a vacation you know (laughs) buy your wife something nice and we're like no that's more rent because we're behind on life and we're like okay god thank you god now i have four thousand dollars i've not seen this kind of money this is enough money for me for two months yeah and this goes on for four weeks eight thousand dollars to take care of our family and we've renovated this house now we're done and he gives us the $10,000 in equity to put down on the house, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then he, he owner financed it. But not only that, he gives my husband a job mm-hmm. and he makes him his lead foreman on all of his flips. Wow. And so then he gives us an open credit at Home Depot to go and fix up our house. Oh my God. And then we don't pay a note for an entire year. Did you pray for this too? I <laughs> listed. This is amazing. Before I went to write down what it was that I was going to do, remember my husband says to me, how are you going to write that down? Like, look, if we're going with God on this, then we just need to do what God says. So I'm going to write down everything that I just feel in my heart. At this point, I don't know how to hear God. Mm. I'm just doing what I feel like. I ain't got nothing to lose. Like I might as well just tell him what I I don't have. If he's going to give it to me, you might as well just give it to me, right? So everything I asked for, when he told me I was crazy, he gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And not because he wanted to give it to me, but we had something he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he wanted us. And he wanted what we were doing for him. So let me keep them happy. And I don't necessarily know that he intended for it to go that way. I'm positive he didn't intend for it to go that way. It just happened that we had something that was more valuable to him than what he was going to have to lose to get it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he gave us everything we asked for. I got to talk to him about it years later. He said, I thought you were some kind of real estate investor. He's like, (laughs) you were so like, accrued with the way you were asking. I thought you were some kind of shark investor. And I just <laughs> laughed funny. about it. How God will cover you. Yeah. And how he will get in front of you and make you look like you got an army. Mm-hmm. When you think that you're standing by yourself and he's with you. And he's told you everything that you need to know. All you have to do is be obedient to mm-hmm. follow what he said. Because what happens to us is we are arrogant. And we believe that these ideas are ours. Like, Mm -hmm. y'all decided to do this little podcast thing, honey. (laughs) This is not your idea. Mm -hmm. This is why it's taking you places. Because it was funneled to you. But what happens is you're obedient 
to the request. Mm -hmm. I want you to own this idea. Will you do it? And you say, yes. And I'll show up and I'll show up every day. And not only am I going to show up every day, I'm going to show up tomorrow when it hurts. And I'm going to show up the next day when I've been broken. And I'm going to keep on showing up. And I'm going to be the best showing up showister that ever did show, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's going to be me. But if we would know, I tell people all, this, all the time, if you came to meet me today and you talk to my team and they say, listen, when you come, you must wear a purple hat an orange shirt, some green shoes, and a plaid belt. If you wanted this interview, you would have showed up like that. Mm -hmm. And when you showed up like that, and I looked at you like, why do you have this on? You would say, because that's what they told me we had to do to get this interview. And you would be confident saying, so did, how did I, yeah. did I kill it? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, well, then let's get the interview on. Uh -huh. And if that was the key to get into the interview, you would have worn the heck out of that crazy mm -hmm. outfit, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we don't do that with God. God tells you to show up and do crazy things. But you want validation from what you can see. But now faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you have what you already hope for, that is not hope at all. That now faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. It's the evidence of what you can't see. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned in this process is that now faith is what moves the heart of God. Mm -hmm. That now faith is different from having just faith. Because faith is having belief in something that may have some proof tied to it. Like you have faith that you're going to put your key in the car and it's going to start and it's going to go because you've seen it done before. Right. Right. But now faith has no proof. Mm -hmm. Now faith has no evidence that what I'm thinking or what I want is going to make sense or it's going to happen. But I'm going to do it anyway because something inside of me tells me that this is tangible and it's something that I can touch and feel if I just put my faith currency in it. Because this is what I've been teaching, that money has no value. Mm -hmm. It's your faith that is the currency that will perform for you. The only reason that money works is because we've seen what it can do. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you put your faith in that money. Like, I'm going to get in that door, right? They say money can't buy you love, but can it not? You know what I'm saying? You know what money can do and you trust in the money and you put your faith in the money because you've seen what money can do. But you don't put that same currency in yourself because you've never seen yourself show up. Mm -hmm. You've never seen yourself make a podcast before. So you think you have to have all this pretty equipment. You have to have all the right microphones mm -hmm. and the air screens and all this beautiful stuff. Mm -hmm. But you didn't have that when you started. No. You started <laughs> this is reason. Yeah. You started with what you had. Right. And now here you are with what you need. And it's not everything you need because now you need a booth or now you need a location or mm -hmm. now you need to get across the country. So you need some plane tickets for that, right? Mm -hmm. But when you learn that as you start, as you go, everything starts falling into place and starts showing up. And then you start realizing, hey, guys, let's turn left. And the more you exercise that faith muscle, that faith currency, that bank account, that faith bank account begins to fill up or that faith muscle begins to activate and you can work that thing. And then you start turning left because did you think I thought the same thing? And then the next <laughs> we end up in the same place because then we're just 
We're listening to what God is saying mm-hmm. and we're funneling his ideas. All you need is God ideas. You don't mm-hmm. need good ideas. You need God ideas. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that will perform for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happened for me. Like this man thought that I had all this and I was just operating on a God idea. Mm-hmm. So then we move into this house and it's two bedrooms and a half bath. And it wasn't this bedroom. It was the two up front. Mm -hmm. And they just had plywood floors. And the half bathroom was a toilet and a tub. It was that bathroom right there. It was a a toilet and a tub. And we also had a bucket, a Home Depot bucket, (laughs) that we put a toilet seat on. That was our extra bathroom. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. That was a DIY. Yes, total DIY. And and that is how we made it in 2005. We are not talking about a very, very long no, time ago. No, no. This was 2005. So when everybody, this neighborhood was coming up per se, you know, by the world standards, like the people who lived here have very much pride in being here. And it's like, don't say our neighborhood needs to come up. You know what I mean? But the neighborhood was being reinvented. Mm-hmm. Um, the people were... Uh, renovating and there were wealthy people now living in this neighborhood. This was the last blighted house in the neighborhood. So we didn't belong here. Mm. Now, while this had been a neighborhood that belonged to my community, we were gone Mm. and we couldn't afford to be here anymore. And so we were, we were one of the few black families that, that were here and we were the only ones with children. So they were wealthy and they were older Mm. Um, and so when we came in, no one knew that that's what we, that that's the situation we live. They just thought, oh, they're going to renovate while they live here. Cause that's the story we gave right. them. Right. Cause in my house, what happens in my house stays in my house, honey. Like you <laughs> better not go out telling them your truth. Right. Exactly. <laughs> your truth happens behind these exactly. closed doors. Right. And so that was the way we lived. I, my husband became the foreman and things started doing well and then 2008 happened yeah um where the sort of economy fell out from everybody and that investor no longer had all of the funds and he no longer really had the desire like he had really what he wanted he wanted to he wanted to like set roots down he kind of wanted to get married he wanted to like if you meet him now he's a totally different person (laughs) um like you know the different value set in children and a wife now and stuff like that he was a mover and a shaker and a Mm -hmm. yuppie you know what i mean at that time and um, so, so he kind of was just like selling his interest in things and we were losing the house. And my husband came home and he walked on the porch one day and I was sitting out there and he looked like death to me. Like underneath his skin, I could just see grayness. He should be pink, but he looked gray because he's really, really fair, fair skin. And, um, I started praying. Um, one thing I knew was that I knew how to pray. I knew how to ask God and I knew that he was big enough that he said he owns everything. So if you own everything, God, and, and I am yours, why you got me out here struggling? Mm -hmm. Like, why does everybody else get to make it? Like when I truly see myself, I see myself in the baking business against Beyonce, like call me Mignonce. I love that. (laughs) And Lil Wayne 
and Jay-Z, like I'm right up there with Kanye and Kim. <laughs> like, I feel like if they can do it, right. why can't I? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't I be the best of the best of the best? I started praying to God. God, give me something that I can do to save and help my husband because he's going to die. Mm-hmm. I knew he was dying. And um, and so God said, bake cupcakes. And so you say, how did God <laughs> say anything to you? Because I've never heard him talk, right? God doesn't have a voice that we can hear and live. Because right. if God were to say anything to us, we would just flat out fall out and die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't have a voice that we can hear and live. But what God will do is use your voice to speak to me. Mm-hmm. Or he'll use your voice to speak to me. and He'll tell you to tell me something. Now, here's the key. When hearing God speak, no one can walk up to you and say, God told me to tell you this. Mm-hmm. And you haven't heard it already in your own heart. Because you have a connection to God too. And he speaks to you too. You don't necessarily sometimes know how to hear him. But he will confirm for you what he's already said. So if someone walks up to you and says, God told me this then it should sound very familiar. I was just thinking Thinking about that today. Or I've been, you know what you're right. I've been beating myself up because God will send you messengers. Mm -hmm. My my best friend's mom would always say it like this. He'll send you the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like three people to tell you. So if you don't know it by now, like I have very strong Christian beliefs. (laughs) And and so he'll send it to you from the Father, the Son, or, or the Holy Spirit. So three times, you'll get that same message. And so I heard God say, make cupcakes. There's a famous radio producer or show that's nationally syndicated, Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey was having people come on his show to say, we're debt free. (laughs) And I remember hearing that for the first time when I moved to Nashville. And I was like, what is this? And I would sit in my car and intently listen because, you know, I didn't have radio in the house. Like, we don't have radio in the house. Yeah, like, no. we have our radio in the car. <laughs> and I was sitting intently in the car listening. And I, I wanted what I could feel in their voices. And I started avidly following him. And when I would, he would come on, like, when I would be taking my kids to school. So my kids would have to listen. And, you know, <laughs> coincidentally, all of my children have some business of their own. They're all mm-hmm. successful in some right in That's business amazing. on their own. Yeah. And um, we would listen to, we would listen to him all the time. So he would say, have a bake sale. You want to get out of debt? Hustle, sell your kids, have a garage sale, like sell whatever you got. <laughs> and I like, okay, I'm not trying to sell my kids. Well, uh, I have six. Yeah. I have six. <laughs> Maybe if I give away three. <laughs> and so I was like, but I don't know how to bake, but I have these really, Smart daughters. Their dad was always making them bake every day. Mm-hmm. We're from New Orleans. Yeah. Sugar is a main staple in your life and in your legacy. And so we ate a lot of sweets in our house. <laughs> and so he was having them bake every day. So kids in the neighborhood even knew that they could come to our house. There will always be cake. <laughs> and um, And so I thought that we could make cupcakes now, there were no cupcake places in Nashville at the time. And I thought we can make cupcakes and we can have a bake sale. And I thought cupcakes was, I thought, ooh, easy to handle, easy to make. Like, we can make them look pretty. I thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> and I went to them and I said, do you want to do this? And they were like, 
yeah, this was my plan for my daughter who was graduating that year in 2007. And so she let me know later on, I actually do have a plan. It doesn't include you. I'm going back home to New Orleans to be with my mom, her biological mother. And so, um, you know, while I always tell people I have six plus one children, I didn't give birth to all of them. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted to go home. She wanted to be near her mom. And so she was leaving. Well, without her, my baby daughter wasn't interested anymore. Mm-hmm. So here I am. I've told people I'm going to open up this bakery. We have a three by three sign hanging on our porch that says bakery coming soon. <laughs> and I've told the world. Like, I really thought I told the world. And I'm really a person that does what I say I'm going to do. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. It might take me longer than I promised you. But if I told you I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. By golly, I'm going to do it. So I have this three by three sign. I've told the whole world I'm going to open up this bakery. And I don't know how to bake. And I don't know what to do because the girls have left me. So I go to my husband, who's worked as a chef Mm -hmm. and has worked as a line cook. Help me. He goes, (laughs) You know, here you go again with these little ideas. If you want it, you need to go and figure out why you need baking soda, why you need baking powder. Oh, really? You're not just going to help me? Oh, I got you. I'm going to prove to you I don't need your help, right? So I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. And so I start reading his books that he has. I start finding out why baking powder, why baking soda, why salt, why sometimes not, why sometimes both, why butter, why sometimes oil, and why do you not want to use this, and what is that, right? Mm -hmm. And the more I started to dig for it, the more it would come to me. I would turn on the TV, they're talking about baking, I'll go down the street, there's a sign, hey, baking, you know. (laughs) Um, But in that time, when I was asking God for something to do, he was waking me up, at 3.17 every morning. You ever saw the movie Groundhog's Day? Or you've heard of it? I've heard where, of it, yeah, yeah. Where he looks at the clock and every day his day starts over the exact same day. Mm-hmm. And it was at the exact same time. And that's what was happening to me. Man, God, I'm going to open my eyes. I'm going to look at this clock and it's going to be 3.17. So I'm thinking, go use the bathroom. Check the locks. Did I turn off the stove? I can go back to bed. <laughs> One day, I... um. I uh, had gotten up thinking mm-hmm. um, and at 317, I couldn't go back to sleep. And so I love TV. Like, you're not coming to my house where, like, how much screen time do your kids get? All the screen time they want. Like, All the time. <laughs> I believed in TV in our household. Why wanted you our mom? <laughs> and that was before social media and, oh, you yeah. know, all these phones. I believed in TV in our house. And so I got up to watch TV. And there was a man, Wayne Dyer, who oh. was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and he was saying, the morning breeze has something to tell you. Do mm-hmm. not go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you sound crazy <laughs> and you have to get off my TV. <laughs> and then he said it again. The morning breeze has something to tell you. Do not go back to sleep. And so now I'm getting up to look for the remote because I'm going to change the channel. Because at three o'clock in the morning, I'm like lazy and I didn't want to move. And so as I'm looking for the remote, He says, God is trying to speak to you. And the only time you can hear him is in the silence. And this is the only time you can hear him. So I was like, okay, God, I'll listen. And all I knew to do was show back up at 317 with my Bible in my hand the next day. Because how do you hear God? I don't know what that even means. And so I'm sitting in the living room, which is now the production area of the bakery. 
And I was like, okay, God, I'm here. What are you going to say? And my Bible was sitting right underneath the coffee table. And I pull it out and I open it to wherever it falls. And it fell, chapter 3. And I said, well, I guess I'll go to verse 17 in this particular book. And um, it was the first message that had something to do with what I was going through. Mm -hmm. So I read and read feverishly until it didn't make sense to what I was going through anymore. Flip to the next book, chapter 3, verse 17. Feverishly read. And I started, in some Bibles have the little points down the middle and that little note to the bottom. And I was cross-referencing and I'm going back and forth till the sun comes up. And I show up with God at 317 every single morning for at least the next six weeks. And I read the entire Bible this way. Back and forth, cross-referencing, starting in chapter three of every book until it no longer makes sense for what it is that I'm going through. And then he tells me, you can go back to sleep. Hmm. I've written everything that I thought during this time in one journal book using the same pen, which leads me to this. You write the vision and make it plain so that they may run and not faint. Hmm. That means write it down because someone's going to need to learn from you what it is that you're going through or what you're creating so that they don't have to pass out trying to reinvent the wheel all mm-hmm. over again. Cause it's being, it's, it's here for you right now. And so I had filled up an entire journal book at 3.17 in the morning. And everything that I was writing had everything to do with this cupcake collection brand that I was getting ready to make. But I didn't know how to bake. So in the daytime, I was looking for why this ingredient, why that ingredient. And early in the morning, God was telling me how he was going to support me and what he wanted from me and what was required of me in exchange for what he was getting ready to do. I was going to church every week. I'm very religious and spiritual. And so I had gone to church and the offering plate was passing by. And now I'm beginning to hear God and know what that means to hear him. Mm. And I, the offering plate was passing by. I was like, God, I really want to put something in there. And God said, well, they put something in there. Mm. <laughs> I was like, but God, I don't have any money. All I have is $60. And God said, then you have something to put in there. So I put the whole $60 in there. Now, I don't know how we're going to make it. Because I put all the money we have in the world. And now remember, I told you this was hard times. Like we're not working on a regular basis anymore. And I put all the money in here. But I just gone to the store and we're going to eat. So as long as we eat, we're going to be okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm still here. So we didn't die. Um, but I gave that money to the Lord. And at the end of that week, I was sitting in the back of the house and I was doing the Dave Ramsey baby step plan. And I was like, God, I don't know how I'm supposed to even go from here. I have $5 on this Friday when we got some money came in. I have $5 left. I've paid whatever I can pay and I still have not fed our family. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I'm from New Orleans. We're going to be eating red beans and rice mm-hmm. and I'll throw some ramen noodles in there to mix it up. <laughs> and my door knocked. And so I'm sitting in the dark because we don't have any electricity. We did our electricity was often cut off. But luckily I'm married to a contractor who's very innovative and creative. <laughs> he had hooked up the generator that someone paid him 
with because they didn't have money to pay him. So they gave him the generator, said, hold my generator until I can pay you. So he hooked up the generator to our house. And so I would go out in the daytime or I would sit in the house in darkness while he would go and make money to get gas to run the generator. So that when our children would come home at night, they would feel like they had electricity. Mm -hmm. So it could run the house, but it couldn't run everything. So you couldn't have every light on, you know, all the time. And you couldn't watch TV. But if we watch TV, then all the lights have to be off and we all can watch one TV, right? (laughs) Because the generator can't, the size we right. had couldn't pull everything. And my neighbor knocked on the door and she said, why are you sitting in the dark? I said, because I'm meditating. <laughs> and she <laughs> That's said, a great answer. Yeah. She said, well, I'll let you get back to what you were doing. I'm not going to keep you. But hey, you know, those cupcakes that you've been making. Because by then I had started making cupcakes for the neighbors mm-hmm. out of what I was figuring out. And when they would build a new house, mm-hmm. they'd tear down one, put 15 in its place. I would go over there and say, hi, I make these little cupcakes that look like bushes. And they said, welcome to the hood. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) And so I was going around the neighborhood with them. And she said, hey, those cupcakes you've been making, I want to give them to all of my clients for Christmas. So when you get whatever made, come and see me and I'll pay you. But you know, sometimes when people tell you they're going to pay you, they don't mean like right now. They mean like when I get paid, then you'll get paid. And so I said, okay. And I closed the door and I started talking to the Lord. I'm like, God, really? All I have is $5. This is what we need to eat. And you give me this opportunity that I cannot take. Mm -hmm. And I clearly heard God say, but the Birds are fed every day and they don't toil for anything. Mm-hmm. How much more will I give you who looks like me? And the flowers of the field that are so gorgeous are here today and gone tomorrow. How much more will I provide for you? So I said, all right, God, if you are who you say you are, then you better do what you say you can do. And I went around the corner to the Kroger. It's walking distance away from here. I took my $5 about all the ingredients that I could buy. And as she told me, she paid me that day. I made 60 bucks. Oh my and God. I was in the money. It was the 62 that you put inside in church. That I had put inside yeah. in church. Wow. Let me tell you about God though. <laughs> By the end of the week, I had 600 because I flipped that 60 and went back and bought more ingredients and I went and delivered her more cupcakes. I had 600 by the end of that week. And every time I would make something, I would buy a spoon. I would buy a bowl. I'm Mm going to open up this business. When I opened Mm -hmm. this store, I had a dorm size refrigerator and I had my husband's man cave. (laughs) It had its own door. This house that they said restaurants were going to be inside of. I had no clue. Mm -hmm. The restaurant that God had for me, Mm -hmm. that it was going to be with my name on it. And that he was going to make me be a light in this community. And that I was going to bring something sweet to the table in a place where he had this big screen TV on the wall by now and it had its own entrance and that people could walk in that door separately and we could still walk inside of our house separately and they never have any 
like interaction with our family that God had picked this house for me, that he had showed this ugly little house to my husband and that I would come inside and fall in love with it and think that it was a place for my children to not only grow up and have a place to live, but they would have a place to flourish from. And we turned that five into over $10 million in the time that we've been open. We've done it with no loans. We did it with no credit. We did it with no knowledge in the business. We had never made cupcakes before. We had never had a cupcake business. We didn't know anybody with a cupcake business. (laughs) But what I did have was a grandmother who had her heart open. And I called my grandmother on the phone. I said, Grandma, look. He won't tell me how to make cake, (laughs) but I need to make a cake because this man is on the radio saying, make cake and you can get out of debt. And my grandmother said, open up your hand. And that piece of advice has carried me. Keep your hand open because while you keep your hand open, you lose things, but it also leaves your hand open to receive from the Lord. So when my grandmother told me to open my hand, I opened my hand and my heart to so many things. And she said, put that much flour in there. Put your fingers together. Put that much salt in there. It was the time that I had spent with my grandmother that got honored from a teenager. When I had learned to cook long distance on the phone, when I was a pregnant 17-year-old girl, long distance calling my grandma and said, grandma, what do I need to do? Because I was hungry and needed to eat and my mother hated to cook. And I'm everything and every statistic that says that I'm not supposed to be here right now. I was a teenage mother and I was single and I was on welfare and food stamps and public assistance. And I had decided that I didn't want those things anymore. That God, you say that you own all of this stuff and I got to go out here and take my clothes off for these people who then tell me to turn around in circles, not literally, mm-hmm. but then say, it's not good enough. And that I don't like what you're showing me. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to do things and hang with people that I don't want to hang with in exchange for their grace, God. Mm-hmm. Like, surely that's not what you have for me. Mm. Like, I want my stuff. I want what you've given all these people who live around me. Like, I want to drive a car that's paid for. I want to have a house that has lights in it and water that flows when you turn on the faucet. I said, okay, show up. Start making cupcakes then. And that's how I started going to the neighbors and knocking on their door. I made you cupcakes. They would be afraid to open up the door because they were in the hood. (laughs) And so they started thinking, oh, well, if I crack the door open, maybe she wants something from me. And then they'd be surprised. I don't want anything from you. I came to give you something. Mm -hmm. Remember, grandma said, keep your hand open. Mm -hmm. I came to give you something. And so they'd be so pleasantly surprised. They'd come back and knock on my door and say, can you make me more of that? I want to give that to my friend. I want to bring this to my mother for her birthday. When I'd see real estate agents, I was like a peeping Peeping Sally, (laughs) peeping Tammy, that's what I was. And I'd see real estate agents and I would say, hey, I'd run outside. Look, I don't know how to bake. I'm trying to learn how to bake. My family says I'm doing something good. Will you taste this for me? They're like, heck yeah, I'll taste it. Mm -hmm. And they would come back. And when those people would move in, those real estate agents would go and treat them to cupcakes from me. And that was the way that I got the door open. And that was the way I got the money to buy a little KitchenAid mixer. I had a KitchenAid mixer, a dorm-sized refrigerator, and my husband's man cave. 
that was where I opened up that bakery. And I remember on the day that we got ready to open, it was Saturday night and we didn't have everything we needed. And he said, go to bed. When you wake up in the morning, you're going to open your store. And we didn't have money to tell people. Mm-hmm. We didn't have money for flyers and all that kind of stuff. I just thought my little three by three sign was going to be enough to tell the world. that Hey, come. <laughs> I thought I was going to open to a line out the door and I did not. <laughs> and they had this place down the street named O'Neill's that is a destination to eat. And people kind of wandered down and looked to see what we were doing. And they kind of funneled in. And I made, you know, I sold out of everything I made that day. So I thought this was going to be a precedent for what it was going to be. And it was not. And there were days that I made $5. There were days that I made 17 And my husband would call and check on me every day to see how I was doing in the bakery. And one day he said, how are things going? I plopped down a chair in the bakery and I got ready to complain and say, you know, I don't know what I'm doing all of this for. And in the midst of my complaining, I realized that God said, everybody who comes through here, it's not a surprise to me. I'm sending them. So whatever you get, I sent it. So be grateful. And it was in that, that my gratitude was born. And I never complained about a low day again. And from there, I started having $100 days. Mm -hmm. And then I started having $500 days. And then I started having $1,000 days. And then it was like, okay, God, never let me go back to where I've been. (laughs) And we built it one cupcake at a time. And then we started winning awards and people started saying, oh my goodness, this tastes anointed. And they didn't know that it really, really was that God had taught me how to do this. Because as I wrote down everything that my grandmother was saying, there was no recipe. My grandmother didn't have recipes. She has only but a fourth grade education. She has nothing written, but she's an expert. In the kitchen. She's an expert at raising a family. And I had, this is what I want you to know. Every stupid thing, every stupid thing that you've ever had to do, every experience, every job, every situation is preparing you for something you can't handle right now. Mm -hmm. And when I was looking at what my grandmother had told me, you know, sometimes when grandma makes stuff, it's not always quite the same. It's like, oh, it was real good last time. I don't really want any more this time. Like, <laughs> it's not that great today, grandma. I knew that I couldn't open a business like that. I needed to be consistent. I started doing my grandmother's recipes and they were always coming out exactly right. So I knew that I had to add order to it because she had just said, open your hand and do this. Right. Pull out this much, right. right? And so it's like it all came together for me. I had been, I had gone to college on a full ride scholarship to study medicine, but I could not apply the science to the human body. So I had to quit. I had to quit and change my major. And on top of that, nobody prepared me for the party of freshman year and I got pregnant. So I didn't know. I thought that happened to other people. I didn't know that that would happen to me. And so I, 17 years earlier, had been studying science. And I couldn't apply it to the human body. And here I am. Science. Oh, that's what they meant about balancing (laughs) equations. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I needed to learn about bonds, covalent bonds, and these different kind of bonds and reactions. No. That's what it was. Mm. 
And all of that stuff came back to serve me. And I started writing recipes. So from there, I was unstoppable because I could then make anything because I understood it scientifically. So what I couldn't use as a teenager and as a young woman, 17 years later at 33 years old, I got a business. Mm -hmm. Everything that you have to do is like I always say, your dreams are never tied to mistakes. Their mistakes are only tied to plans. Mm -hmm. And the reason why mistakes are only tied to plans is because you don't know the plan for your life anyway. That you think it's your plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the creator of the idea, who owns the idea anyway, Mm -hmm. who asks you to own it in exchange, knows where he's taking you. So everything that you have to do is not, in fact, a mistake. It's just necessary. And when you talk to people who are successful, they don't say, oh, the mistakes I made, I would never do those again. They usually wouldn't trade them. They usually say, well, I don't suggest that you do it the way I did it. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, I wouldn't trade the experience for the world. And so all of the things I had done many businesses before. One of the last verses that God woke me up with before he told me I could go to sleep was, I'm setting before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Because, Mignon, I'm tired of playing with you. I've given you all these business ideas, and you know what you do? You start them. And then you do nothing with them. And they're just good ideas that just lay flat. And I'm not giving you any more after this. Like, you do this or you die. Mm. And, And then he said... Do not turn for what I've told you to do to the left or to the right. Doesn't matter what it looks like to anybody else. You do exactly what I told you to do. And it might look like crazy, but you do it anyway. My store doesn't open on Saturdays because that's the day that I go to worship. And that's what God told me to do, not to operate my store on Saturdays. My very husband told me I was crazy. No one's going to come to your bakery if it's not open on Saturday. Are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) Like, you mean to tell me of all the other days in the week, no one's coming because I won't open on this one day? Mm -hmm. When this is the instruction that God told to me? Like, don't stop going and being passionate about showing up to worship. And so this is what I require of you. And so... You think I'm crazy for shutting down the store and it's not going to be successful. Oh, that's why it's been voted number one (laughs) in Nashville for 10 years that it's been open. We have been voted by Yelp as the best cake in Tennessee. (laughs) And the Sweet Potato Cupcake, which is a cupcake collection original, has been on the map as one of the best ones in the country. We were voted by um, um, USA Today as one of the top 10 in the nation. That's amazing. Because of obedience. So I'll tell you how I heard God. He doesn't talk in your ear. Again, I told you, he will use other people's voices. So other people will come to you and say things that are confirmation to what you felt in your spirit. That's one way that he'll speak to you. The other way he speaks to you is in this gut feeling that, oh, I should have followed my first mind. Like, do you ever say, I shouldn't have followed my first mind? No one ever says, I shouldn't have followed my first mind. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. It's that first mind feeling 
that will never lead you wrong. It happens right up underneath your rib cage, just adjacent to your heart. Yep. That's why people say, follow your heart. Yeah. It will never steer you wrong. So it's in those places that I heard God say, open a cupcake shop. And I followed him down to the colors on the wall, to the name of it in the journal book, to the signature of the way that it's written, even down to the location that I have in New Orleans. <laughs> like, I didn't want to go home to New Orleans and open a store, but my friends, I'd gone through the divorce and they said, it's time. It's time for you to get out. It's been a year. It's time for you to get out. It's time for you to get your life. So we went home to New Orleans for a football game. And I heard God say, and now you have to come to New Orleans. Mm. I'm like, God, really? I don't want to. <laughs> but God said, it's time. So I came home really excited, told my team we're going to New Orleans. And my um, accountant said, yep, nope, we're mm. not. <laughs> like, you can go to New Orleans, but I need you to sit back and wait a year so you can see your power. And I followed in obedience because what I learned at 317 was with many advisors, a plan succeeds. And so I waited for one year. And in January of 2017, she said, you're free to go. And by April, we started doing pop-up shops. We had a permanent pop-up by August. And so almost two years to the day, it took us to open. I worked two years to the day to open the Cupcake Collection Nashville. Mm -hmm. And so here it was two years to the day to open the Cupcake Collection in New Orleans. And so when it seems like it's not working, all things Mm -hmm. are working for your good. And, And, you know, what I know that God says is people like to say, God is able to do anything. Yes, there's a Bible verse that tells you so. And I am able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that's working in you. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? I have to do some work. If I work, he shows up for me. When I do something, he does something. In the beginning of our conversation, I told you all about now faith, Mm -hmm. that there was a difference between faith that shows you some kind of proof And now faith, which moves when there's no proof that it can even work. The reason why now faith operates and triggers the heart of God on your behalf is because when you operate in now faith, you align yourself with God. And let me tell you why you do that. If you have Christian beliefs, then you believe that God sent his son so that you can have life more abundantly or to the full. So if God gave you all he had, so that you could live more abundantly, then why wouldn't he then therefore make sure that you had everything you need to get done what he's the one telling you to do, right? So if he gave you all you own, all he owned to, so that you can live life more abundantly, but you get to sit back and be mediocre at the things that you do. I gave up, I emptied heaven for you so that you could live in abundance and you think that you get to half step on me? It's not going to happen. So you sit there and struggle on your own and figure it out. I'm not helping with that. But when you activate now faith, I think it's about perspective. N-O-W is Mm O-W-N. Because all we own is right now. 
All you own is the time that you spent to come here and sit and talk with me. All your listeners own is the time that they're sitting at the radio, listening to whatever they're going to get, whatever God is saying to them through me right now and using my voice. That's all they own. Because when you go back to Miami, what you don't know is your house may be gone. What you don't know is that you might have lost contact with all of your family. War may ensue by the time you get back. So all you own is what you're doing with the time you have right now. And when we O-W-N our N-O-W, that's when we will have W-O-N. <laughs> it's all about perspective. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And that's my story, this and I'm sticking amazing. to it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, you know, it's, wow. it's funny because it's inspirational in so many ways. And you really touched on the reality of things, which I appreciate because a lot of people hear the success story and they're like, oh, that's so great. And she got zero to 60 overnight. And that's not the case at all. And you really, you really had to struggle to get there. Did you ever doubt yourself at all yes. when you were on this journey? Although you knew you had this calling. Did you ever say like, I can't, I don't know why. Like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I doubted myself all the way to the first day that we opened the store. Remember I told you, my husband said, go to bed. Yeah. When you wake up, you'll have a store. You need your rest so you can open the store. We were still painting. We were still <laughs> hanging stuff. We did not have a bakery when I went to sleep. There was no way this was going to happen. I didn't believe it. When I sat down and I got ready to open my mouth and complain, it was because it was like, God, I opened this bakery and you told me to, and I'm sitting here with $5. Where are the people you promised me? Yeah. Like you told me you were going to feed me. When are you going to start feeding me? When you started saying, hey, I'm not in a hurry. You are. Right. When desperation happens, mm-hmm. right? Because when you need the money to feed your family, mm-hmm. when the desperation comes, how do you fight that? But still stick to your faith. I think that it goes down to your faith is the currency that performs for you. You have to activate it. Like when it doesn't look like it's enough, you have got to activate it. I can't tell you how many times I have opened a meal for my children and it wasn't supposed to be enough and they left full. Mm. Like God is able to do with what you give him something to work with. And it's not going to be easy. There were days that I needed all of the money that was coming through the register to go buy more ingredients for tomorrow. Like I opened with a dorm size refrigerator. It was enough to hold a gallon of milk and a dozen eggs. And they were like, cool. It keeps the the temperature good enough. Open. (laughs) And we opened. We drove all the way to Memphis to buy our first refrigerator, our first commercial refrigerator. Mm -hmm. A bakery was shutting down and he had one for sale for $400. And he was like, it really doesn't work. But my husband was a handyman. Right. And so he's like, I'm going to go get this refrigerator because it's what we can afford. Let me tell you, when we got that refrigerator here, we didn't know what we were going to have to do to fix it. But when he plugged it in, it worked. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you how well it worked. It worked enough to open up my Donaldson location that I had. And when we moved from the Donaldson location, it worked to open up my New Orleans location. And we just sold that refrigerator last week to a little startup company that it doesn't work. 
But I said, you know what? I pray that this refrigerator, when you plug it in, does everything for you. Because they're a little fix-it guys. And they're going to open up their cells a little wing shop. I love it. And they like, we're going to fix this little refrigerator. We sold it to them for $200. This is a nice, like, cabinet. It's a nice refrigerator. Like, it it has a purpose. Or you can fix the little things. We told them all that was wrong. Then we're going to fix this thing. But I prayed over that refrigerator when it left. And I prayed that when they plug it in, that refrigerator does for them what it did for me because mm. that man told me that refrigerator didn't work and it worked mm. and it worked for 10 years that's so crazy. That's so and crazy. that's the kind of stuff that God has for you if you will only believe mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we don't know the power that lies right in our mouth to speak into existence what we want mm-hmm. I've taught my children speak what you seek mm-hmm. till you see what you said and there's so much power in that. I decided I was going to open up a store in New Orleans. We just celebrated. We, we just celebrated a year in New Orleans, but we just finally got our permanent store. And we're on Magazine Street. And that's a destination in New Orleans. And people are like, how did you get on Magazine Street? We're like, we don't know, but we're here. <laughs> and me and my um, marketing director, she was just, she high-fived me. She was like, Mignon. We really just opened a store in New Orleans. Oh <laughs> and That's it's because we spoke it. And how when you build your company, you know, when it when it, when it's your company, it's your baby. It's really hard to let other people in because yeah. you always feel like they're going to hurt it. Mm-hmm. And their intentions aren't right or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the negative things, mm-hmm. all the worry, the fear that jumps in your head. As a business owner, and especially when you started and you started to get successful, how did you... I still have a heart open for goodness mm-hmm. to help because you can't do this by yourself. Yeah. You, you're not a one woman show. Baby steps. You will not have everything you need when you open that store. Mm-hmm. Same thing goes when you get ready to hire somebody and you need to trust people. You don't have to trust them all the way. Mm-hmm. You just got to trust them a little bit, right? You just got to part that out in small doses and then you will build trust with people and it is over time. Like, Now there's a whole team running the store here and running the store in New Orleans. And I get to go out and tell other people what they can do if they believe. I never would have thought that I would leave my mixer to someone else's hands and let you be responsible for what my name is in the street. But God has blessed. And I'm not saying it's always been perfect, but whenever there are mistakes, those are never tied to our dreams. So those don't last. They go away, right? They get covered over. They get, you know, we get to learn the lesson from those mistakes or those necessary things that happen. So you just do it in small spaces. I think we get so overwhelmed. Oh, I'm going to have to get a manager. Oh, Lord, what? I don't want to. Right. Well, maybe you don't need a manager. Maybe you need just a cashier. And maybe entrusting that cashier, maybe that cashier is going to be your manager. So I have to tell you the story of our social media. <laughs> there, was a, there was a little girl who worked in my store and she had come to me from an ad that we had placed at the local college. And she was coming. Um, and I think it was one of her first jobs and, and she was working in my store and she came to me and she's like, so social media was kind of just beginning to get its legs. Mm-hmm. Facebook was a thing now. Mm-hmm. And there was this thing called Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, look, Instagram and Snapchat, you could really use them. 
And I really feel like you're not doing that great of a job that you can be and you're leaving money on the table. So why don't you let me do it? And I said, okay. And so she started doing our social media. She's taken us to, I think we have across all platforms, maybe 50,000 followers. And she's sitting over in that chair right there. (laughs) Um, And now she leads our social media strategies and you know she's my sales and marketing assistant she's about to be um promoted wow. to coordinator she's coming back to me full time she went away got her big girl full-time job in the world and i was like but don't you miss me <laughs> don't you don't you, can i beg you so right now i'm in the process of begging her you know to, to, stay, come, back. to come back but she never ever really left me so she's my longest um employee that I've ever had like what at, at one time mm-hmm. um that never left because even when she left me she never left me mm-hmm. she worked at night so she works at night doing all of my stuff and to the point where sometimes people think they're talking to me but they're actually oh, talking God. to her because she's been with me that long yeah baby steps yeah. she started as a cashier wow. wow and now she's telling cashiers no this is the way we <laughs> do it around here <laughs> That's so yeah. I want to ask you a question. For me, you're, you're one of the most powerful people on earth because mm-hmm. you walk with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not easy. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that, and I want to know, where did you learn how to have this faith? Mm-hmm. What was it someone in your life? Was it a book that you came across? What was that moment because you are so powerful Mm -hmm. because you have this unfaltering belief Mm -hmm. belief equals faith Uh and you really believe that Mm -hmm. you know like and that's why i think so many things work for you yeah because you believe in it Mm -hmm. because everybody could say it but believing is something very very different yeah and so i want to know who taught you to how to believe Mm -hmm. and that experience like your faith okay so it's a combination of things. My mother had us in church every time the doors were open. <laughs> I mean, it was Friday night. It was Saturday. It was Sunday. It was Wednesday. We were always in church. And so that's where I learned about God. I went to a seven-day Adventist uh, private school um, for elementary so that's how I learned the word of God. And then as an adult, I was broke and broken. And that's how I got to see the face of God. So I think when you're desperate, there's a Bible verse, Matthew nine twenty, that talks about a woman who had been sick with an issue of blood. So she had some kind of womanly problem and she was kind of an outcast because um, people didn't want to be around that. Right. And she believed that if she would just touch the, the hem on the garment of Jesus, that she would be made whole so much. So to when she touched the hem of Jesus, Jesus felt power leave from him. And in that moment she became healed. I saw God show up for me. I saw him show up for me in so many ways. I saw him show up for me in this house. 
when I said I wanted something and then I go back and hear the man say, I thought that you were some kind of shark. And I was like, I was just doing whatever, you know, came into my head. I remember there was a flood. We were living in Houston and there was a flood and we didn't have any insurance. And we were living in a house that we were barely renting because we were barely making it. And I was like, God, please don't let the water come in here and take what we have. And I watched the water flow in front of my house. I'm talking about inches deep flow right in front of my house and the house on the right of me flooded and the house on the left of me flooded and I got no water. I saw him move for me. My child, um, who was the baby that I had when I, when I was a teenager, had lost his hearing. He was laying in the bed in that Houston house and he was, he had told him, I told him to go to bed. And so he went to bed and he laid towards the window and he had his head down and said, good night, Dylan. I love you. And he didn't respond. Now, if you know Dylan, Dylan loves his mama. Like he's 25 years old and he loves his mama. Like it's like, girl, I like you, but you know, get out the way when my mama comes down. And he didn't move. And he was about six, five or six. And um, I went up to him, I tapped and said, son, I'm talking to you. He said, I didn't hear you. Like I startled him. So I took him to the doctor. He had completely lost the hearing in his ear. He had had an ear infection so bad that he'd lost the hearing in that ear. And he had lost about 80% in the other ear. And I didn't know it. Because when you broke yeah. and you broke in, you can't take your children to doctors on a regular basis and you miss appointments and you can't buy medicine. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know that my child was sick and he, he was becoming deaf. And so he had been getting in trouble for being, for ignoring me and he couldn't hear me. Oh. And wow. so we got the medicine that he needed and the antibiotics and stuff like that. But we took him to church to pray and they made a circle in the church. It was, uh, I was in the choir cause I love to sing mm-hmm. and, um, then we were in a prayer circle and they prayed over my son and I left that prayer circle and I called my best friend's mom and I said, you have to pray for Dylan because he can't hear. And, um, I left him, left him. He went on to a little Bible thing for the kids and I went on home as I talked to her on the phone And when I got back to pick him up, people came rushing at me. And they said, he can hear, he can hear. Like, what are you talking about? He had been in that Bible study at the time when I was praying on the phone with her mother. And he laid his head down and screamed. Mm. And he was shaking his head. He said, my ears, my ears, his ears had popped. And it was painful. And his ears were open. To this day, he loves that woman so much because she prayed for him. So I had seen God work Mm -hmm. and I wanted other people to know that you don't have to see it. You just have to believe in what you're asking for and he will give it to you. But nobody's fingertips are the same because these are your signature from the Lord. Mm -hmm. So then you take that and you make things and then you're all of a sudden co-creating with God. Mm -hmm. And we have 
this opportunity that I learned in a book from Rabbi Daniel Lappin, who wrote this book about the business secrets of the Bible and what every Jewish person knows, which is why they're so wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the book is about, right? <laughs> okay, and, I want to read it. <laughs> really funny. I love this book. And he has so much wisdom to say. And I learned that when I'm making stuff with my hands, I'm in communion with God. Mm-hmm. And then I take his signature and mine and we stamp that on something. And that makes him pleased. And those are the things that let me know that I can walk into a house and say, oh, that's going to be mine. Not because I'm arrogant, but because I know that he told it to me. Mm-hmm. So I believe it. And that settles it for me. Like, even down to, I, when we, before we opened up the store, I was asking God for something that I could do before I saw, remember I told you my husband looked like he was dying to me. Well, he was dying to me. Our marriage of 21 years was about to end and I didn't know it. So I've been a stay-at-home mom all this time. And now how am I supposed to take care of myself? I had gone to church and I had told you about that offering that I Mm -hmm. gave. But before I ever gave that offering, I was getting up and they had a little response card in the back of the pew. And it said, whatever you want, whatever your prayer requests are, write them. I was like, God, I got too much to say. (laughs) If you are who you say you are, then you know what's on this card in my heart. So I would just fold the empty card and I go stick it in the prayer thing. Empty. Mm -hmm. God, you know my heart. This is my prayer. And I will put it in there. One day, God said, don't leave from up here. Go with the prayer partners and ask them for prayer. So I go into the prayer partner's room and God says, I want that woman to pray for you. And I was afraid because another lady walked up to me and said, I'm here to pray for you. I was like, no, God <laughs> said not you. And I'm so sorry. And I thought she was going to be offended. And what I didn't know is prayer warriors talk to God too. So I'm like, oh, well, you better be obedient to the Lord. <laughs> and so I waited for this lady to finish praying for someone else. And she came up and she prayed for me. And she took me by the hand and she jumped away. And she snatched her hands from me. And I was like, oh, Lord, what the what? <laughs> oh, my God. And she said, oh, my God. And then she took my hands back and she began to feverishly pray for me. And she let me know. She said, God just told me I'm about to do something. It's going to let you know I love you more than anybody else. And I have taken that with me everywhere I go. God loves me more than anybody else. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But what God, what's so amazing about God is he can do the same thing with you. Mm -hmm. He can make you know that he loves you more than anybody else. And in the same spirit, he can love me more than anybody else. And when you take that with you everywhere you go, there's nobody that can tell you what you cannot do because God loves me, honey, so I can have whatever Mm -hmm. it is I want. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, like, I'm staking claims on stuff. (laughs) I'm coming to get everything (laughs) that God said he had for me because he told me I was going to be the head and not the tail, that he wanted me to be above and not beneath. I believed that God didn't waste this fabulous name on nobody knowing know. it. That is true. That is, that is true. So if I, anything, yes. that is a good one. <laughs> so I had to do my due diligence to make my name right. great. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just out here trying to represent God in a way that he can be proud of. Like, I didn't want anything to be wasted on me. Hmm. Mignon, 
If you could give any advice to women in their 20s, early 30s, what would it be? As a woman, woman to woman. As a woman, everything that you're going through is preparing you for where you're getting ready to go. Every stupid thing. Doesn't matter what anybody says about you. I'm teaching this lesson coming up about the lessons I learned from a pencil. Just because it gets broken doesn't mean that that's the end. It might be an opportunity for a new beginning. You know, we go around broken about what some boy did to us, you know, when they were actually just a boy themselves. And we take that into our 20s and we take that into our 30s. And I'm broken because of what you did. And when he was a boy. But just because that broke you didn't mean it had to stop you. Mm. That you can be sharpened by the pain that you went through. So your pain sharpens you. Mm-hmm. And those are things that I've learned from a pencil. And that's what I want 20-somethings to know, too. Mm. That's amazing. Thank you so much. For that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Me young. Thank you so much for being our mentor in Nashville. This has been a true honor. Oh, that means so much to me to hear you say that I could be your mentor. I told God that if he would make me successful, that I would tell anybody who would listen about what they could do if they believe. So you're just giving me a selfish opportunity to keep my promise to God. So thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn more about Mignon and visit the Cupcake Collection, follow at Mignon.Francois and at the Cupcake Collection on Instagram. Let's stay connected. Follow us at We Are Millennial Women on Instagram and Facebook to follow our journey as we hear the voices of the women of our generation and uncover the challenges we face as well as how we choose to overcome them. Visit us at WeAreMillennialWomen.com to get your tickets to a Millennial Women Talk, a live podcast meetup event in a city near you. We hope you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Always remember to keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love Melissa and Stephanie Tarkache.